This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Good morning. I'm Jim Lang, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, the Kentucky Derby is now in the books with one of the biggest upsets in the history of the sport. And someone who probably had a pretty good seat for the event itself was friend of the show, Terry Meeks, president and CEO of the Jockeys Guild in Lexington, Kentucky. One of the major stories of this year's Derby, won by 80-1 to long shot, Rich Strike, was that the horse was ridden by little-known jockey Sonny Leon who the day before the Derby was actually riding at Belterra Park in Cincinnati, Ohio. Surely we will speak with Terry and not only talk more about the Kentucky Derby and Sunny Leon, but also the recent opening of Monmouth Park that saw a new riding crop rule in place for the jockeys at the New Jersey racetrack on their opening day. In addition, quarter horse racetrack Ajax Down opened for their 2022 racing season this past week, and their general manager, friend of the show, Emilio Trotta, will join us today and will bring us up to speed about their recent opening day and some of the major race days that the track will host during a race meet that will run through to October 26th. And the first, you could say, under the new normal rules. That's good. Emilio also shared with us some of the promotions we can look forward to at Ajax Downs in 2022, which is Ontario's only quarter horse racetrack. Also today, well, recently, friend of the show, jockey Sheena Ryan, suffered some serious injuries during a morning training session at Woodbine. Injuries that saw the rider undergo surgery on her pelvis and her elbow. What was unfortunate, too, was that Sheena was set to ride regularly at Woodbine Meet again this year and had just returned to the saddle after suffering a collarbone and concussion injury last September. Serious injuries are unfortunately not new to Sheena, having had another pelvis injury back in 2011 and a broken arm in 2012. But Sheena is part of the Woodbine fraternity that looks after each other, and her best friend at Woodbine and fellow rider, Isabel Wentz, has set up a GoFundMe page on social media to help the medical expenses that Sheena will be facing going forward. Isabel herself has had her share of bad luck, so she knows quite well what her friend is going through. Once again, surely we will talk with Isabel not only about her own riding career as well, but the GoFundMe page for Sheena Ryan that she has helped set up. That's a pretty awesome story. Looking forward to that. And finally, while he's back, co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodby Mohawk Park and some other North American tracks that are racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show, so you better get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news. This is Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. We'll be right back. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks, and government. 
government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Okay, welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce to you my co-host, the expert in all things ponies, Larry Simpson. Larry, how are you? I'm doing okay. How about you? Well, I'm not as good as Sonny Leon and Rich Strike and Eric Reed and Calumet Farm. One of the great upsets in the history of sports, not just horse racing, an 80 to 1 long shot horse, a last minute replacement comes out of nowhere in the last, what, fifth of the race to stun the world by winning the Kentucky Derby. Well, the announcer, if you were watching it, it was uh, incredible. On TV, he didn't pick up the uh, the horse coming up the inside until probably about the last uh, three strides to the wire. <laughs> yeah, he goes, oh my goodness, an 81 long shot. And, like it hit him. That yeah. it, what was going to happen? Yeah, I think he was so focused on uh, Epicenter and uh, Zandon Z- yeah, that, yeah. He, that he hadn't moved his binoculars, I guess, over to see this this streak coming up the inside. But it was like the parting of the waves. Like The other horses just came out and he went right up. It was incredible. And, and Rich Strike, I mean, the, the call, the setup, our friend of the show... Uh, Eddie Olchek, everything was perfect. It was mm-hmm. a great race, and then we're watching the race, and I'm keeping an eye on Messier and Mo Donegal and the, all the other horses we've talked about, and it was like, what? what? And where are they? <laughs> where where are they? And then and then Rich Strike wins, and you could see that they later on NBC and Kentucky Derby had a drone, and you could see how Sonny Leon managed Rich Strike through all those horses into a position to win. It was fascinating bit of a skill by the jockey and realize how important a jockey is to a race like that. And it's amazing because the day before Sonny Leone was riding at Belterra Park in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I understand, I think he won a couple of races that day too, but no, it was, it was, you could say the race for the ages. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Rich Strike, uh, they claimed him for $30,000. Uh, the only thing positive that he had going for him is he had won over the Churchill Down surface, and sometimes that's a very difficult surface yes. for horses to yeah. get around. So he d- did have that going for him, but how many times do a 30,000 claimer win the Kentucky uh, Derby? It, 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 this doesn't happen. No, it doesn't, no. And Just, then and then the story about the owners afterwards in tears talking about they had a barn fire a couple of years ago and lost almost all their horses, mm-hmm. and the trainer, Eric Reeds, I mean, he's in tears, and they're showing the groom, and it... It is like something out of a Hollywood movie. Well, it is, and that's, you know, it's it's almost like a Seabiscuit story. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's the yeah. same, same thing, Seabiscuit, and, uh, you know, Little Horse does good, and, and uh, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I was kind of hoping that uh, he would go into the Preakness, but they decided this week to. Yeah. And I can see probably for the safety of the horse, although 
there was a, a joke on the internet that the horse needed three weeks off because he needed anger management. It's biting, yeah. For his biting. Biting the groom. Biting yeah. the groom. <laughs> no, so Rich, and the outrider. Uh, yeah, the outrider kept going, like, stop it. Yeah. Uh, the plan is for yeah. Rich Strike to run in the Belmont, but uh, for the Kentucky Derby, a record $273 million plus purse was bet on the race, mm-hmm. a 9% increase from the previous record set pre-pandemic. Right, and I, I think one thing that, everybody forgets too is other tracks like Woodbine through their HBI and the Stronach Group through their uh, first bet. And yeah, that. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of betting going through there. So everybody is making some some money off of this this race. And uh, Well, know. when an 80 to 1 long shot wins the race, a lot of people made money, but not a lot of the betters. <laughs> I don't... Exactly. I mean, I did see on, on social media, a few people as a lark would bet Modonagal and Messier, the Zandon, and then put 10 bucks on this 80 to 1. They're like, hey, it won! Mm-hmm. So they they did okay, but I mean, what are the odds that anyone put Rich Strike on an exact or a triac? I mean, it's probably never... Ha- it didn't happen. Well, it's almost like the equine version of uh, Miracle on Ice yes. with, the, with the U.S. Olympic team, right? And, uh, you know, winning that, so... Uh, um, to me, it's good for the sport, Larry. It is. It it's is. Not, I mean, it, it gives you hope, and we're and we're such a in such a need. And you talk about it a lot, and our experts talk about it a lot, Larry. The need to get more horses and bigger fields and more people involved in it. Well, when you see a story like that, and you've been thinking about it, you're on the fence, like, heck, I'm going to do that. Maybe my horse can win the Kentucky Derby. Well, exactly, because uh, you know people like good news stories. Yes, yeah, we need them, and we need them in the horse racing industry. And, uh, yeah, like when you see something like this happen, that the, the little guy actually won the race, the, you know, the $2 million race or $3 million race, like really that could happen to me. Right. So you don't know if you don't, you know, you, you know and, uh, and, but as you had mentioned earlier, well, there'll be no triple crown winner again this year. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, that's is where you realize how bloody hard it is. To win the Triple Crown. How many things have to go perfect to win those three races? Mm-hmm. Well, you would think, you know, you got a 30 to one shot winning the race that the average person, the average better would say, well, there's not going to be a, a Triple Crown. That was a fluke, but we'll never know, you know? No, so. no, absolutely. Yeah. So fantastic. As always, a pleasure to a friend of the show, Terry Meeks, joining us today on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Terry, the president and CEO of the Jockeys Guild in Lexington, Kentucky, and is constantly staying aware of rules and regulations designed to protect the jockey membership. Terry, as always, welcome to the show. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Larry and I are still buzzing after last week's Kentucky Derby. For someone like you that has spent a lifetime in horse racing, how much did you enjoy that race last, last Saturday? Well, I think it's fantastic for our industry. And, you know, Eric Reed, I've known when I was racing like Eric Calder, and he was down training horses when I was there and become a friend. And he's a good horseman and a good caretaker. And it was good. It's a good feel story for, for Eric, the owner, and Sonny Leon. And speaking of Sonny Leon, he's a prime example of the. I guess you could say many talented jockeys that are, are kind of toiling around at these uh, smaller racetracks, right? Yeah, you know, I met him at Keeneland, and you know, he rides basically at Mountaineer and Sissle Downs and Belterra. And it's a story that, you know, basically, I think it'll be a movie one day, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, 
And then he rode a perfect race and got through, and Eric did a great job getting him ready. The amazing thing to me, Terry, is that the appeal of horse racing, people it's not going away. That finish to that Kentucky Derby was the most shared video on social media for 48 hours after that race. People kept watching it over and over again. So the race, the finish, everything about it was so good for the sport of horse racing in North America. It, it's hard to put a, a number or figure on it, what it would mean to the sport for the next few months. And his ride from the quarter pole home was outstanding, but people could relate to it and see what he a, a jockey has to go through, especially in a 20-horse field and, you know, three-year-olds going to mount a quarter for the first time. And the Kentucky Derby is our basically our Super Bowl for horse racing. You know, Breeders' Cup is really, but, you know, it's probably the premier event in, the, in our country, and it draws attention. And I've had so many friends that, Went to their, you know, Super Bowl parties or, you know, at their homes and watching it and and seeing how excited they were for the, for the jock and for the race and for our industry. How difficult is it to have a horse come in that late off the also eligible and have it ready for a grade one race like the Kentucky Derby? I've never heard of it, to be honest with you. You know, you you got also eligibles and stuff like that, but considering everything to a race at that magnitude and, you know, probably trained and probably thinking he was not going to get in. He was scheduled to run in the Peter Pan the following week in New York. Or, and I think it's extremely difficult, um, but that just gives it kudos for Eric and his staff for, you know, for the job they've done. Larry, you wanted to talk about Monmouth Park? We had you on a couple of times last year, Terry, because there was uh, an issue at Monmouth Park with the jockeys refusing the ride with the new riding crop rule that uh, was put in place there. Now, Monmouth opened up this past week with a new riding crop rule in in effect, correct? Maybe you could kind of explain to our listeners, uh, you know, what's going on at Monmouth. New Jersey was trying to take their lead from the California Horse Racing Board you know, and others that do away with any, any kind of crop except for safety purposes. What safety purposes, you know, and we we can talk about that in a few minutes. But, you know, and California never went through with it, with the rule. New Jersey did. We opposed it. We had a public comment period, you know, six months in advance. You know, for whatever reason, they were hell-bent and put in, in the, a crop rule that you couldn't use it only for safety purposes. A jock got you know, was using it for safety purposes, and they went against it, and there he was suspended. Basically, a lot of jocks, you know, Joe Bravo and Tony Gallardo and a number of jocks that have ridden there for years decided it was definitely a safety issue. And, you know, basically, to go through a hole, and we use that example on a turf course or wherever it may be at the quarter pole to go through a hole, you need that crop. Horses are herd animals. And they're not going to go through, and most of them are not going to go through without some form of encouragement. The riders strongly felt, you know, it was a safety issue and they weren't going to ride there. You know, other jocks is Johnny Velasquez and Javier Castellano, who's my son-in-law, and Irad and Jose Ortiz, and many others decided it, it wasn't a safety, it, it was a safety issue, and they didn't feel comfortable riding there. We, the board made a decision that it was a safety issue, and anybody rode there, basically rode there at their own peril and, you know, we weren't going to cover any benefits for them. Now, six weeks ago, um, the Mount Park racing office, John Himes wrote a letter to the commission 
asking them because of this new federal legislation in the United States to go, that's supposed to go into effect on July 1st, you know, that every state, including New Jersey and including California, every state in the country had to go with, um, which is six times overhand. So they asked the commission to do it and they, they increase the penalties. Mama's Park's penalties are more extreme than the extreme penalties of HISA. We had a conversation. We had a board things. We reinstated uh, benefits if a jockey were to get hurt, temporary disability, life insurance, um, effective before the beginning of the meet. We had heard a lot about how strict California is. Is California on board with this new rule? They, they'll, they'll have to. By federal legislation, if it goes into effect, which there's people trying to, uh, you know, see if they can delay it, like ARCI came out with a press release, Racing Commissioners International, which is based out of Lexington, basically, you know, saying, you know, they came out with issues about the timing of HISA and, and, and the funding is an issue, but... But Mammoth Park is going back to the things. They are going with it. We feel it's safer, um, but it's still excessive fines and penalties. Hmm. But I, I think, Terry, getting back to Mammoth and, and last year, they kept saying that the jockeys could only use the riding crop for safety issues, but they couldn't define what safety issues was, Where could they? The one case I referred to was Carlos Montalvo. He um, had a horse that was bearing out. Um, he was a bad actor. Um, he, you know, he learned it in the paddock, the post parade, and maybe even before. Somebody said to him to be careful. And other jocks, there's a hearing, and it's a, it's still a, a hearing officer is supposed to be hearing it at some point soon. Um, but they gave him, they suspended him five days. And and funny is about three or four weeks, well, maybe a couple six weeks after the suspension. The horse came on the grounds again, um, and basically, you know, Mammoth Park barred him from ever training there again, or racing there, because of his bad actor. A previous trainer basically testified at a hearing, at the steward's hearing, that he he told the owner this horse was dangerous, going to kill somebody, and that didn't go, so as subjective as it is, you know, it's, you know, it's, the, the stewards did not, pay, you know, listen to the jocks, and one of the stewards was a former jock, so <laughs> which is a very unfortunate. And we're willing; we've been willing to work on it, and we have worked with the industry for the last fifteen years. We changed the poppers; horses are not getting cut up in welts. Um, so we've been working with legislators and everybody in the industry. We want to to try to come up with a fair rule for everybody for the. You know, the perception issue for the owners, the trainers, the betting public, which we think is very important. In your role as president and CEO of the Jockeys Guild, are there any initiatives coming up in 2022 the listeners might be interested in hearing about? Well, we're still working with, the, you know, and informing our riders with regard to the HISA, which is the Horse Racing and Safety Act, which as we refer to, it goes back into, it's supposed to go into effect July 1st. And, you know, I think it's, you know, it's legislation. It'll take part. It'll take place at every racetrack in the country. And medication, if you know, testing will, you know, be the first part of 2023. 
Excellent. Terry, is always an absolute pleasure. Larry and I always enjoy your insight and what you have to say. Thanks so much for doing this, and hopefully we have a couple more races just as good as the past Kentucky Derby. That'd be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? It sure would. And thanks for having me. A pleasure. When we come back, friend of the show, Ajax Downs, Emilio Trotta will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. We will return. Stay tuned. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Costa, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. Costa, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the Costa website at costaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Ah, nice. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Friend of the show, Ajax Down General Manager Emilio Trotto will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. And Ontario's Quarter Horse Tract opened their 2022 racing season this past week. And I'm sure for Emilio and his staff, her traditional May opening was a welcome relief after the last couple of years. Emilio, as always, welcome to the show. We love having you on. Thanks for having me, guys. Greatly appreciate it. Well, I mean, just we'll start with that. The opening in May, as it should be, how good did that feel for you and all your staff involved in it? It felt fantastic. I I can't even describe how great it felt to be out there in May. The weather was great. No restrictions. Just back to normal. It was a wonderful thing. What's the crowd like, Emilio? Was it uh, well attended? It was very well attended. Actually, we were quite surprised, and we had a lot of newbies here, which was wonderful. So, you know, we had our want-to-bet person out there walking around, talking to people, teaching them how to bet, uh, explaining horse racing to them, explaining the program to them. It was fantastic. It was great to see some new faces out there, and it was great to see the old faces return as well. How, did you, how do you think the, the new faces found out about it? How, how did you attract them? I believe through our social media, as well as our local radio station, have been pumping us up all week. Uh, and I also believe folks are looking for something to do again, right? Mm-hmm. They've been cooped up for a couple yeah. of years. Um, I know on Sunday, May 22nd, you have your Fan Appreciation Day and a big race day is coming up in June. What are some of the, the big events at Ajax Downs that a lot of our listeners would be interested in? Of course, 
we're going to have at the end of the year a big feature race, the Alex Peacock mature, uh, Memorial Futurity. Uh, that'll be a big stake race in October. But as you mentioned, you know, Fan Appreciation Day, welcoming folks back to the track. What a way to start it out in the early in the season in May to get folks back here, appreciate them, welcome them back with open arms, and reward them with some prizes and some great races. We're getting ourselves back to at least one Sunday a month to get those large crowds out here and, and give us an opportunity to get involved in the local community once again as well. So, you know, we've got the traditional Father's Day, which is generally one of our biggest days. But then, you know, we've got a great day that you guys would probably enjoy on Sunday in July 17th, and that's our Craft Brewery Day, mm-hmm. where we get the local breweries to come out and uh, sample their their goods. And uh, that's a very popular day as well. You know, and then we've got our Ontario Bread and Sired Steak races scattered throughout the race season. One of the, I guess, uh, downfalls in, in, in racing right now is a horse shortage in that. Is this something that's shared in the quarter horse industry? We struggled on our opening day with our field sizes. You know, we were able to put a card together. This coming up Wednesday, I'm sure, will be a little bit of a struggle. It'll be a, an improvement from our opening day. It's been tough on the horse people the past couple of years. And now, with, uh, well, as you guys are impacted in your own personal lives, I would imagine, with inflation and the price mm. of gases and, and mm. gas, et cetera, and, and hauling your trailers around and your horses, et cetera, that, that cost has gone up. And uh, it's been a bit of a slow start for us with the rainy spring as well. But we're hopeful that uh, things will turn around. Uh, we've been talking to some folks in our industry, and, and they're breeding again. Emilio, a lot of listeners contact us and ask us about that, and I think they're unclear. So when we talk about horses coming back, try to just tell the listeners what kind of timeline they're looking at to get the cycle back to increase the amount of horses at quarter horse or standard bit or thoroughbred or in tracks across Ontario. Well, generally it takes about two years to get your horse um or even up to three to get your horse ready to race. Uh, you, of course, in the thoroughbred world and the quarter horse world, you get your, your 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 two-year-olds coming out, and it'll take generally two to three years, depending on when when you have your folds, etc. Last year, in our particular industry, in talking to some folks, they had started to breed. So I would anticipate that we see we will start to see some of those horses trickling in as two-year-olds uh, next race season, and I think moving forward from 2023, we should see an overall improvement in our horse population as those two-year-olds mature and then the other two-year-olds start to come in behind them. Have there been any uh, quarter horse stallions uh, added to the roster here in Ontario? We actually had an auction not long ago. The quarter horse racing owners of Ontario had their, their stallion auction um, well, just a couple months ago, I believe. And uh, so they're trying to pump up the program as well. And, you know, they've been pumping up their syndicate as well. And we've got some uh, new folks that have joined the syndicate and purchased a share in a couple of horses. So that's good news as well. So the interest is picking up again. We're hoping that the momentum will pick up again with everything opening up, getting back to normal. Hopefully we'll see that interest come back. As Ajax Down continues their 2022 meet, Emilio, a lot of the listeners curious about some of the top jockeys that maybe they should keep an eye on for this race season. Um, Corey Spataro is one to, to look out for, but, you know, we've got some veterans here that have been around that are great jockeys. Uh, Brian Bell, Tony Phillips, our great rapper, by the way. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to get onto YouTube and look up Tony Phillips, Ajax Downs, but he's got some... Uh, 
pretty great interviews, uh, very entertaining. So anybody listening that wants some uh, entertainment, look up Tony Phillips, Ajax Downs, and check out some of his interviews. So we've got, uh, and then of course got uh, some of the great uh, women here too, Cassandra Gesky and, and Helen Vanek, a, a great veteran. So there's there's a few jockeys to look out for this year. How did you get involved with uh, Ajax Downs, Emilio? I was hired on oh, over a dozen years ago to be the, the finance guy, to be the finance controller um, during the SARP days when uh, you know the slots mm-hmm. revenue was shared with the racetrack. So I was brought into uh, assist with that and control that and run it, et cetera. And as the years moved on, I slowly moved into the operation side of things and uh, taken over the operations of the track as well. Did not have any horse racing background when I came into this industry 12 years ago. Well, uh, and that's what I was going to ask you, Emilio. When did you make the transition from just an IT finance guy to someone who not just had that knowledge, but an actual love of the sport and quarter horses? During the interview process, they brought me out here on a race day. I'll never forget the day because at Ajax Downs, you can get so close to the track. The, the rail isn't very far from the track at all. So Mr. Peacock told me, uh, escorted me to the rail and said, you gotta, you got you to gotta witness this here and feel it. And it was, I think, about a 350, 350-yard race. I tell you, when those horses ran by me, I could feel the ground move under my feet and... The power and the dirt that came up, and it, it, it was amazing. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I had goosebumps. I thought this was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Like, these horses are coming so fast, and they're like 10 feet in front of you, or it seemed like 10 feet, obviously, it's a little bit more than that, and they're just whipped right by. It, it was amazing. And um, I guess you could say from that moment on, I got hooked. That makes sense to me, Larry. It does to me, too. As, <laughs> uh, it was crazy. As a, as a newbie that had never been to something like that, I was, uh, I was like, wow. So in, in your years leading up to that, had you worked strictly in sort of an office corporate setting, Emilio? Yes. I had um, worked for EDS slash Hewlett Packard. <laughs> the two companies merged. Yeah. And that's where I started my career in the corporate world, and I was there for 18 years before I got here. So I was fresh out of university in, in that environment. So what did your friends think when you said, hey, guys, by the way, I'm just running the show here at Ajax Downs, and I love horses now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually had a lot of my peers. I was a service delivery executive when I left when I left the firm there. And so I had a lot of my peers, and I treated them to uh, the VIP room here, and there were, we had about 25 of us in there, and I brought them to the track, and they loved it. And uh, we, we get a couple of them showing up at least once or twice a year now on a regular basis, and they, they, they got hooked as well. Any goals for the track this year, Emilio? What we're really after is trying to get back to some sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. which, you know, was a great start on opening day, and I believe it'll carry through. To the end of the season, we're finally back to 25, day, 25 days of racing. We haven't been there for over two years, so that's great. So we're hoping to get ourselves back out there, our name back out there, get involved in the community once again. You know, we haven't had a family day where it's a fundraiser for uh, the Lake Ridge local hospital here. We haven't done that in a couple of years. We're planning that event again. You know, we've we've helped out the United Way. We've always hosted an event here for them, so we're doing that again. 
Canada Day, the town of Ajax holds their Canada Day celebrations here, and we get about 15,000 people out in our infield watching the fireworks and, and other entertainment that's going on during the evening. So we're just trying to get ourselves back out there, start entertaining people again, having some fun, and hopefully the industry will sort itself out as well as those two-year-olds start to move in as folks were getting comfortable again and start breeding. Get all the details at ajaxdowns.com. They're a great follow on social media on Twitter at ajaxdowns, including a great video from the Gridiron Gallop and Maryland Magic. And you can see what Emilio's talking about when these horses just go flying down the track. It's a, it's a, it's a great little gym in Ontario. Emilio, we always like having you on. Continued success. And here's to a fantastic year at our good friends at Ajax Downs. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me here. And just one more little thing yes. that we have added that I forgot to mention this year is hook racing. We had um, one on the very last day of racing last year. So this year we're going to be running some 770s and some 870s, which is about three quarters of a 5 8 mile track for uh, those that were curious how far that is. So it um, should be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to that. And I think our first one's going to be uh, probably mid-June. I love it. Emilio, thank you so much. All the best and, and have a great season. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And you guys take care. Enjoy. All the best. Will do. After the break, when we come back, Woodbine jockey Isabel Wentz will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Live harness racing continues at the Meadowlands Racetrack every Friday and Saturday evening with a post time of 6.20 p.m. The Big Gams Championship meet is highlighted by the Meadowlands Pace on July 16th, and on August 6th, it's the famed $1 million Hamiltonian, headlining an exceptional day of stakes events with a special post time of 12 noon. Watch and wager on all of the Big Gams exciting harness racing action through your HBI Bet account and Dark Horse app, and be part of the Meadowlands racing experience. Visit PlayMeadowlands.com for racing details. COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at cosaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. 
Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, Woodbine jockey Isabel Wentz joining us today and recently friend of the show and a good friend of Isabel's jockey Sheena Ryan was injured in a training incident during a Woodbine training session and the hard luck rider who's just coming back from some injuries last year and then to help with her medical expenses, Isabel setting up a GoFundMe page, help jockey Sheena Ryan, friend of the show, Isabel Wentz. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, okay, but before we get to you and your journey in that, uh, what compelled you to set up the GoFundMe for your, your good friend and fellow writer, Sheena Ryan? Well, first of all, she's, like I said, she's my best friend. So, um, But um, as a jockey, I've also been in that position. And um, times are tough right now. And so insurance and that sort of thing is always kind of a long process. And, and you know, bills will never really stop um, despite that. So... I figured the GoFundMe was a good option, and it's it's a good way to to get donors from everywhere as well because there's a lot of people that care about Sheena, and um, and it was also a good way to kind of share the news about it as well. So, I read someplace too that insurance not only takes a lot of time, but it's based on uh, the amount of uh, rides that. And since Sheena yeah. didn't ride a lot yeah. last year, and and you're just starting yeah, out, is that off true? Of, off of the previous year. And um, Sheena actually ended up getting hurt towards the end of the season last year, so she never even got the opportunity to ride much uh, last year also. So um, she's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because she didn't get to ride much last year, and then she gets hurt right off the hop this year, hadn't even had the opportunity to ride a race. And um, and then the insurance money is based off of your earnings of last year. So, yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. Your GoFundMe so far, 110 donors, uh, Isabel, have raised over $13,000 trying to get to the goal of 25000 So for a GoFundMe page that hasn't really been up and running that long, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, pretty overwhelmed by the support that people have shown so far. But the racetrack's a good community that way. Usually when, um, when somebody gets hurt, uh, whether they're an exercise rider or jockey, uh, a groom, anybody really, everybody tries to look out for one another back there. And so, um, it's been, people have been really generous and it's putting Sheena at ease a little bit cause she's pretty heartbroken right now. So it does kind of help keep her spirits up, which is really nice. Yeah. No kidding. Larry. Yeah. Talk about yourself, uh, Isabel, like, uh, you've kind of had your own bad luck as a writer. Like you started out, uh, your yeah, friend, I you're, have. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, talk about that. Um, yeah, so I guess the first time I ever had been hurt was in Alberta. I believe it was in 2017. Um, I was still a bug rider at the time, and I was kind of things were just kind of starting to get going for me. And um, I got hurt in a morning accident, and I ended up breaking four vertebrae in my back and having a really bad concussion. And they told me I'd never ride a horse again. And then I actually ended up coming back in six months, and then I rode the year out in Alberta. And then I came to Woodbine um, towards the end of the meet, like in August, and I rode uh, for a couple months, and I ended up getting hurt in Fort Erie. I had a horse go down with me after the wire, and I broke my collarbone and needed surgery. So then I rehabbed from that, <laughs> and then... Um, Sort of similar to Sheena, you spend all winter rehabbing, and you come back the following spring, you put a lot of work in. And then I ended up getting, uh, having a horse freezing in the morning, something happened, and uh, 
and I ended up breaking my shoulder, only I didn't know it was broken that morning. So I had rode that afternoon because I was in denial. And then uh, I rode two races that afternoon, and then I went home, and my shoulder was swollen, and I'm like, I should probably go to the doctor. And sure enough, that shoulder was broken, so I was out for a couple months right at the beginning of the meet, so that was tough. And and then another year later, I broke my ankle. So, I mean, I've been there a few times, and it's tough because you're self-employed, and um, your money's based on how much you're working. It doesn't really... Um, there's not really, I mean, you have the jock skills and all that and, um, but there's only so much they can do as well. So it's important. I personally, as a rider, find it important to look after each other and, and, um, try to look out for one another when something like this happens. Oh, for sure. Isabel, when you, when you hurt your shoulder, do you think it was just adrenaline that kept you going? Yeah. Adrenaline and denial, I guess. (laughs) It was mostly it. Cause it's frustrating. You work really hard and, um, when you've been hurt one time and then you hurt a second time and then to be things like to think you're hurting a third time, you're kind of, you're like, there's no way. Like, and so, um, yeah, I think that day it was mostly adrenaline and, and, and just denial. And I got a pretty high pain tolerance too, so that doesn't help. But, um, well, you're from yeah. Saskatchewan, so that makes <laughs> sense, right? I am. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, we're both tough out there, yep. So, no, here's what I'm fascinated to know. There's the old saying, get back on the horse. So when you're re- rehabbing from an injury and getting back, is it the physical thing is toughest to get through or the mental wall to get through to get back competitive riding? Um, It's kind of a combination, I guess I would say. Uh, it probably depends on the circumstance for people, like depending on how bad... Um, your accident was or whatever sometimes it's just like a freak accident and and um mentally it's but i personally for me i think it's more mentally because um the physical aspect to me is probably a little easier because that's just um it's just your your body has to take its time to to get back to it but mentally there's a lot of things that you're you're going through um when you're getting back but it's a process. That's why it's so important to have people in your corner to kind of help you get through. So what is it, what's that common component with, with you and Sheena that keeps those competitive juices flowing and, and wanting you to keep coming back to ride? Uh, the horses, for sure. 100%. Yeah. The love that you got for the horses and, and the love of the game, really. There's no, there's no feeling um, like winning a race or even riding a race. And so I think once you get that in your system, it's really hard to get out. And um, that's enough motivation to keep you going. That and I, the, the uh, I personally like to prove people wrong, <laughs> probably <laughs> too much. And so, and I, I think Sheena does it's just stubbornness as well. So. Yeah, but definitely the level of horses is for sure, I think, the, the main thing. Uh, a lot of young boys and girls have a love for horses when they were a kid. At what point did you take that and say, well, I don't just love them. I want to ride them. I want to be a jockey. Well, actually, it's funny you ask that because um, <laughs> nobody in my family has anything to do with horses, and I didn't I didn't hmm. grow up riding or anything. I just always loved horses. I pretty much spent most of my knowledge of horses was drawing them in my bedroom in my spare time. <laughs> I grew up in the city. Um but uh, I kind of always had a goal in mind that one day I was going to do something with horses. And um, my mom had a friend, actually, who 
um, trained horses at the racetrack, and one day she kind of offered for me to go and feed with her, and then it was, I had it in my head after that, and so mom and dad said, you got to graduate high school first before you go back, and I graduated high school, and I went right to the racetrack after and kind of worked my way from the bottom and started in Saskatoon, and then I moved on to Alberta, and then I came out here to Ontario. Hmm. All right, we, we've talked about kind of like the bad things that's happened in your career in that. Uh, what about some highlights? Um, I've had, a, I mean, I've had a lot of, um, a lot of the, the highlights in my career are moments that I've worked really hard for. Um, not really like a, a household name or anything. It's all horses that I get are usually horses that I galloped and did the work on. Um, probably one of the highlights of my career was getting to ride uh, checkerboard four for Bob Tiller. Um, that was, he's probably the best horse I've gotten the opportunity to ride in my career. So um, that was a big moment for me. And actually uh, he was a horse I did a lot of the work on as a, as a two-year-old, and then I got to uh, gallop him his whole three-year-old year and, and get to ride him on top of that. So when I got to win with him, that was pretty rewarding. And it was a maiden special weight race, so that was a big deal to me. Um, and then I guess another moment I had was this winter, I actually had my first U.S. winner in Tampa uh, for Mike Wright on a little filly that I've been riding at Woodbine and won a couple with this past year, uh, Caller Joey. And that's a special moment to me too, because that's another horse that I've I've been galloping for the last uh, uh, year and a half now, and so she's a I know her pretty well, and so that was also a pretty big moment for me. So you mentioned the the fraternity of riders and and thoroughbred. Is it? I mean, a lot of people assume it's so competitive because you're all trying to win. But is the inherent danger of being a thoroughbred jockey what brings you all together and supports each other? Uh, yeah, I would say, um, that's pretty much, uh, the reason why. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're all competitors, but I like to believe that we all kind of care for one another out there to an extent. We all try to protect each other, um, too, because I mean, what happened to Sheena can happen to any of one of us at any moment. And, um, anytime we set foot over top of a horse, we're very blessed to come off, uh, safely regardless of if it's in the morning or in the afternoons. And, and I think sometimes we take it for granted because we get so lucky all the time that we don't even realize. So then when something like this happens, it, it kind of puts everything into perspective and, and kind of makes us all think a little more. And, and so for me personally, um, in those moments, I try to be there for, for people because I'm very grateful in the times that I've been hurt, that I've been able to come back and, um, I'm a big believer that we should do for others as we would want done for ourselves. And so I, I think it's important that we all look out for each other because, um, like I said, it could be any one of us. So, Well, I highly recommend anyone listening, go to your Twitter feed, um, Isabel, because you have a video of you on Joey and it gives you a perspective yeah. of what happens on a jockey riding a horse that size at Woodbine. So you really get an idea of just what goes into it. It's it's a fascinating video. Yeah, a lot of people, I mean, for people that don't understand it, they think we just get up there and we just ride horses and it's easy. <laughs> but actually, there's a lot more that goes into it than people think. And I mean, they're 1,200-pound animals with their own minds and their own will, so they... We're, like I said, we're very lucky all the time that um, 
we get to come when we get to come home safe. It's about winning, but I think um, we also need to be grateful that for the times that we do get to come home in one piece. So, mm-hmm. Larry, but so- I'm, we're all very blessed to work with these horses in the first place because they put our trust in us, and um, and uh, I think it's important that we take care of them too. So. Okay, Isabel, how can people get involved in the GoFundMe page, Help Jockey, Sheena, Ryan? Okay, so um, I think if you go on the GoFundMe website and you look up uh, Help Jockey, Sheena, Ryan, um, the fundraiser should come up. Um, Should they have a hard time with that, uh, if they go, if they find me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, um. My the link is shared on there as well, so that's another option. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another way that I can share this. Uh, the link itself. Well, I think Larry at his Pony's twenty twenty four seven account would be more than happy to share it. Sure, yeah, that would be great. I would appreciate that. Um, like I said, because any little like any little bit helps really at this time. And even even if you can't donate, sharing it makes a huge difference. Awesome. Isabel, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your insight to what it's like to be a jockey woodbine and all that you're doing to help Sheena Ryan. The GoFundMe page, help jockey Sheena Ryan. Isabel, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. We look forward to speaking down the road. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Take care. Pleasure. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodby Mohawk Park, the Meadowlands, and of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So make sure that your HBI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stick with us for Larry's always much anticipated Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. We will be right back. Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live. At 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to OntarioRacing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering Platform and the Dark Horse app the best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, 
Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Phew, what a show. Before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems, as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. And I, I'm no expert, but I doubt there's any 80-to-1 long shots in your picks today, Larry. There's no rich strike, but maybe we'll strike it rich. Oh, yeah, How's okay. Yeah, yeah, nice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's start at Woodbine. They have a 10-race card today. And I'm going to go right to race 10, which is seven furlongs on the tapita surface, a maiden uh, special weight for three-year-olds with a purse of $123,000. That's a lot of money for maiden special weights again, right? Gimme. The number one, uh, number five horse, sorry, Icing, is a son of uh, Nyquist and uh, makes his uh, second start at Woodbine after two races at Gulfstream Park. Uh, Last start, Icing finished a nice third in Maiden Special for three-year-olds and up at uh, at Woodbine. And today he's back in with just uh, his own uh, three-year-olds, and uh, that was an open class. He's back with his uh, Canadian-bred friends today. So uh, this also was Icing's first start since early January. And if you read the comment line in the racing forum, it says he was bumped and he hung. Well... He should like the stretch out today to seven furlongs. He's got blinkers on, so that uh, should help him maybe keep a little bit more focused. And I like the fact that friend of the show, Emma Jane Wilson. Emma Jane! Yeah, and she's riding icing back today after probably uh, getting to know him a little bit in his uh, April 16th race. So uh, he was a beaten favorite last start. He's had two good four furlong work since that race. I like number five icing in today's 10th race at Woodbine. I like it. I like it. Larry, what's next? Okay, Santa Anita has a nine-race card today, including uh, race five, which is the grade three uh, Santa Barbara stakes for three-year-olds and up fillies and mares for a purse of 125000 It's at one and a half miles on the downhill turf course. It's a small field of six. Uh, with number one, Queen Goddess, and number four, uh, Neige Blanche, sharing early cold favoritism. But... I like the number six horse, Carpe Vinum, who uh, I actually put on my watch list after her last race at Santa Anita, where she finished second, beating a nose at a mile on the turf in an 80,000 optional claimer. In this race, though, Carpe Vinum was compromised by a bad trip, you could say. Terrible racing luck, uh, where uh, she was checked, shuffled back, and uh, this was all during the backstretch run. I like the fact that Carpe Vinum was able to... Uh, Really uh, put uh, clothes well enough to uh, just miss by a nose. So uh, she sure today's race is a step up. It's a it's a grade three, but uh, I really think that this horse is rounding back into form. And actually today's her third start off the layoff too. So uh, uh, she should like the one and a half mile distance. Uh, she actually tried this distance early last year in the grade three Astra Stakes and was only beaten three and a quarter lengths. And that race came off of a short layoff. So. I like the fact, too, that Carpe Venom shows three works since her last race, including two five furlong ones. And I like five furlong ones, as we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to take a chance in race five today at San Anita, a number six, Carpe Venom. I had to look it up. It, in Latin, that means seize the wine. So oh, that's really? Prob- yeah, that's probably a, a good name for a horse. I, I would think so, yeah. And yeah. next? Okay, the Meadowlands has another 13 race card tonight. And race one, which has a post time of 620, 
is a one-mile piece. Uh, it's a claiming uh, 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 for uh, a purse of uh, $16,000. The number three horse, our third rock, has put three good races together, including last week's uh, second-place finish, where Arthur Rock was uh, parked out for almost uh, most of the mile. Uh, besides the horse being in good shape, I like the fact that David Miller is down to drive tonight, and he drove the horse last week, and there's that angle I've been playing a lot. Uh, the driver drives him once, learns something, drives him back. So this is happening today with uh, 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 David Miller driving. Uh, I call it the second time driver angle, and it's something that I have started to follow quite a bit now. So, Well, uh, if you like it, Larry, I like it. Okay. And uh, I also like the fact that our third rock, despite being parked out much of last week's mile, still paced his final quarter in 27 and 1. And actually, his final time of 152 and 2 was his best out of his past six starts. And this was over a good track. So uh, this horse is 10 to 1 in the morning line, so I'm going to take a shot with. Uh, First race tonight at the Meadowlands. Number three, our third rock. Beautiful. And finally? Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 12 race card, and race five is a one mile pace for a purse of $18,000. Number three, going fast, is a horse that uh, you really, I think, have to dig deep to come up with a, a case for him. But uh, first off, what caught my attention is the fact that a friend of the show, James McDonald, is going oh. to drive. Well, I and, mean... And let's face it, this guy's won one or two races in his career, I think, right? James so, McDonald? James McDonald, hey, yeah. Uh, it'd be easier <laughs> to pick the races he hasn't won this year. Well, I think so, yeah. So I think uh, first off, I think that's angle number one. James, James McDonald, McDonald first off, right? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I find that intriguing that, uh, you know, he is driving this horse for the first time, and yet this horse's odds in the last uh, six races have all been in double digits. Right, uh, but when you look a little closer, you do see some positives. Uh, last week, uh, going fast had the nine hole, and trailed, closed a couple of lengths, and paced his mile in one fifty one and two, which is his best time in the six start showing on the Mohawk program. Uh, two races back, going fast uh, finished ninth, and he was at fifteen to one odds there, but he was only beaten six and a half lengths, but. He hadn't raced for two weeks, so he, there was a bit of a layoff there. On April 16th, he was 82 to 1 from the 8 hole, and he finished 7th. And then on April 9th at 38 to 1, going fast had the 10 hole and finished 9th. Hmm. So there's been some post position problems, and he just hasn't been getting away from the gate. But if you look at his race on April 16th and April 9th, they were at a class higher, so he's down in the class from those. But when you go back to his April 2nd race, which was at tonight's class, you guessed it. He was still double digits, but he got up to win. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think with the first time James McDonald angle going uh, on going fast tonight, and based on his recent form, you could say, because he's racing well, but he's just having bad post position luck in that, I think he's going to be good value. Maybe not as much if somebody else was driving the horse, but I think you'll still get good value on James McDonald driving this horse. So race five, number three, going fast. Larry, I think right about now I could put James McDonald on a turtle in one of these races, <laughs> and it might win. 
Thanks for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. A reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of an issue of the Ponies 24-7 magazine, oh, and it's a beauty, email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around Lymphoma. For more information on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies, as even though the silent auction is over, you can still donate to the cause. Stick around with 105.9 The Region all weekend long. The feed with the legend and Roamers up next. I'll be back here Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Go Leafs, go! Come on! This time, please do it! We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.